2: And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Friday, February 3rd, episode 3112. Brought to you today by our friends at Kentucky Performance Products. Good morning, horse people.
1: It's Friday, and another weekend of riding is a few short hours away. Jamie and Glenn are here to help you make it through the day with some fun guests
0: and some really bad ads.
1: Enjoy the show.
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Today we have a special show for you. Uh, we all found out, was it yesterday, Jamie? Yeah, yeah last and, night. Yeah, we all found out that one of the legends in the horse world, Jimmy Wofford, had passed away. And we're going to be joined by former president of the USEA and our friend Max Cochran, who's going to share her memories of, of Jimmy. And we're going to talk about his legacy in the eventing world, but more so just in the horse world in general. I think he's one of those people that crossed over, don't you? It, you know, not just eventers knew him.
2: Well, he also became the president of the American Horse Shows Association, which you know is is pretty uh, umbrella as far as horse sports go. But to to me, I, I always called him the Eventing Jesus, and his book, Training the Three Day Event Horse and Rider, is is the Bible on Eventing. And as a uh, youth growing up, I mean, I can't, I can't, I I would still refer back to it today. So definitely a, a sad a sad moment in time and we've lost somebody who is just so incredibly important and wonderful. And I, I just, he's one of those guys you've never heard a bad thing said about him because he was just a, a great dude.
0: I've read probably a hundred posts because I'm friends with a lot of inventors. I've read a, probably a hundred posts about him today, uh, this morning that popped up and you're right. I mean, there was, j- he affected so many lives, partly because he stayed in the game till the very end too. Mm-hmm. He was doing clinics and articles all the time and wrote a ton of pieces about it, did tons of interviews. one of which you're going to hear later in our show, uh, I went back in time and dug out one of the interviews we did with him at a 2011 Rolex, the three day event. Mm-hmm. It, it might have been the first time we did a remote together.
2: I really am interested to hear that because I remember sitting there and he joined us at our table. And I remember exactly where we were in the covered arena. And we had a, it was a kind of a new thing podcasting. And so, oh, he
0: had no idea who we every were.
2: Every <laughs> single, but every single person who was in the competition or surrounding the competition came and sat down with us. And it was fine. Like, okay, Gregor, great, great. And then he sat down, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think <gasps> Boyd Martin was on this episode, too. It's uh, later on. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. It was like, okay, great. Hey, Boyd Martin. Hey, you. Hey. You. Oh, my God. Jimmy Walker is there. And I just remember losing my mind. I was like, I've made it.
0: I've made it. You know who else was in on that, and you'll hear it later on. Uh, was Reese koffler Stanfield? She actually was there for some reason, and I don't think she was a host yet. I don't think she had started hosting, but I knew her, you know. And she was sitting in, so she was part of that conversation, talking about dressage and eventing and all of that. So it was a very interesting conversation, and we're going to play that for you after Max a little later. I don't in know the show. if I want
2: to hear it or not. I'll just judge <laughs> me and myself harshly because he was just—I was just so starstruck. Well,
0: it was funny because. I did notice that when I listened to the beginning of it, uh, you know, I was like rather nonchalant because, you know, that's because <laughs> he's not your inventing like, Jesus. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then you were like, Oh <laughs> so oh, yeah. It was kind of funny.
2: <laughs> oh, I can't listen to it. I can't. I'm gonna take it to my brain and just be like, ah, you were so good with him because he's just so like here it was a
0: good interview. And he was he is a consummate gentleman. So he was he get and you know the other thing about Jimmy, as opposed to some other professionals we've talked to, is he has a sense of humor so Mm -hmm. he got us you know so it was it really worked uh so i want everybody to listen to that a little later in the show so this whole episode is going to be dedicated to his memory and so there won't be a really bad ads we'll get to that again next week so we we just wanted to focus on jimmy today because he's that big of a legend in the horse world before we get to that though we have some daily winnies to do plus i have to tell you real quick uh, the other day, we were out at the boarding stable, and we often, if we don't feel like getting the cart hooked up and the saddle on, we just take the horses for a walk in the woods. We have those thousands of miles of woods to walk in, and it's it's fun to just take them and hand walk them. So we're walking around, and that was fine. And Scooter loves to go on adventures, so that was just, he was just in heaven all the time when you take him for walks. We're coming back, and there's a gate that leads into the property from the trails, and it's always open. But Jennifer's been working on Nigel's backing up. So even hand walking him, she'll have him turn around and back through gates. You know, so, she, so they were ahead of us, and she turns Nigel around and gets him to back up through the gate. And, you know, and actually she had him back up a good ways, and he did really great. Well, about halfway through that, all of a sudden, and I thought Scooter was, like, mad because we were going home and he wanted to go back on the trail. Scooter turns around and on his own starts backing up through the gate.
2: Oh, he saw his
0: big brother He's do like, it. And if you don't think horses learn from each other, I mean, there's a perfect example. I think he was just trying to show off because Nigel was being rather reluctant to back up. And Scooter just turned around and backed up right through the gate.
2: <laughs> Scooter, your hackney pony <laughs> said, hold my beer.
0: Yeah, exactly. He was showing off. He's like, Nigel, nah, I can do it better than you. It was amazing. Have you ever had a horse do that on their own?
2: I mean, I find that horses don't usually voluntarily back no. up. And, it's not fun. I, I
0: they don't would. do it in the field for fun. I got asked for him a little bit because he was turning around on me when I didn't ask him to. And I thought he wanted to head back out to the woods, right? Nope. <laughs> he, was, yeah. he is something else. Oh, He's, that's okay. He's a trickster. Uh, so and now he needs a new job. He just needs to be a trick pony, because apparently he just do it on his own. That's great. <laughs> I have never seen a horse do that. If any of the auditors have had their horse voluntarily do tricks without you asking, let me know. I want to know what they did. All right, let's do some Daily Winnies. <laughs> Well, my Daily Winnie is for Lisa Waisaki and Debbie, host of the Horsemanship Radio Show, Debbie Lauchs, uh, because they're going to be filling in for me next week. Next week, we're taking Jennifer's mom on a cruise. Uh, she's getting up at that age now where we're like, we better get this cruise in. We, w- we want her to be able to enjoy it. So uh, she we're taking her and Jennifer's brother and sister-in-law are coming along. So it's kind of a family cruise. We're excited that uh, she gets to go out and do this. So that's next week. And you'll be here, though. And Lisa and Debbie will be filling in for me. So thank you guys for helping out. We really appreciate it. And you guys just have some good shows next week.
2: Well, just a quick update on the new horse that is going to come live with me. I think he gets there next Saturday, April, one of our listeners, um, she shared a post about this horse who is, Gosh, he's got to be 20, and he was a cart horse, a carriage horse in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is one of the hottest places on the planet, and uh, before that, he was an Amish plow horse, and he's a half standard bred, a half percheron, and they needed to retire him, and he needed a place to go, and I bought him, paid good money for this horse, it is going to be great. He's going to retire here, and I'll ride him around help me start babies, and it's going to be fine. April texted me yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you didn't know? She's like, I, I, just, I, I missed it somehow. Somehow I didn't see it. I missed it, and I'm so sorry. And if you want to figure out something else, we can do it. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> She's like, he's blind in his right eye, or left eye. I was like, excuse me, wait, what? She's like, he's blind in his left eye. I, d- I didn't see it. He's got this big blue thing in his eye. And and I was like, is it an ulcer that I'm going to need to medicate every two hours? For those who don't know, I
0: just went through that. For six what, weeks. Forever.
2: And uh, she said, no, it's 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 old. It's just I just I didn't notice and, and my husband didn't notice. And oh, we're and so sorry. They went
0: out and looked at the horse for you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> He's blinded an eye. He's been doing his job for like a hundred years. You know, you got on him and wrote him. You, he's been, I, I have a video of an ambulance going by. He's blind in one eye. You know what? That just adds to the charm, in my opinion. Bless <laughs> his you. little heart. One-eyed senior citizen coming out to the house. And, and um, you know what? He's been, like I said, it's not like I have to medicate an eyeball every two hours. It's an old- yeah. War wound. And, uh, you know what? It'll Knock be fine.
0: Something there, Jamie.
2: Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Seriously. But anyway, yeah. So he is going to see the vet today and get all his things that he needs to get to be healthy and travel. And when he gets here, I'll do his teeth and all that with my vet. But now he's going to get the Coggins and get When's a health he start again? next Saturday. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it, it was a, a bit tough. He was fairly, um, nourished and needed just to hang out in Texas for a little while. So she lives close to where he was, I think a couple hours away, but to then ship up to here to Oklahoma would be quite the, the, the feat physically, I think for where he was when he went to her place. So she's been keeping him and getting him strong and healthy. And I actually, when she told me about this whole eyeball thing, I said, I just called her and, or she called me and, I said, uh, April, here's the thing. Did you really think I was going to back out because he's blind in one eye? Apparently she did. (laughs) Or are you telling me this because you want to keep him? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, I just just feel so bad that I didn't notice. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, it's fine. It's fine. What's going to happen? Of
0: course, the seller didn't disclose that either. right?
2: No, no, that was certainly not disc- although to be fair they might not have known. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but he clearly doesn't care. It's it's old and cold and, you know, fine. It's fine. <sighs>
0: Uh, Jimmy Wofford, we're going to get to Max's interview. Of course, Max is, uh, past president of the USEA, groom extraordinaire, been in the eventing world forever and one of our good friends. She comes on the show whenever we ask. Um. But first, Jimmy Walford. for those that don't, the few that might not know him, uh, he was a five-star winner, an Olympian. He'd been to two Olympics. Um, he was known for writing tremendous articles, for being a true horseman. Uh, he apparently died at the age of 78 following a two-year battle with pancreatic cancer. Uh, what you may not know, a couple of interesting things. He's the youngest son of an Olympic show jumper and U.S. cavalryman. His father was John Walford, Colonel John Walford, who was one of the founding fathers of the U.S. equestrian team in its modern iteration. And he's the one that really took equestrian sport from a purely a military activity to a civilian one. He's the one of the ones that led that charge to say, "Hey, civilians can do this too." It's not just yeah. just. Eventing used
2: to be just military. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, his mother uh, was a crucial figure in founding the United States Eventing Association and the United States Combined Training Association. So the, this whole family is amazing. Um, and of course, Kilkenny came along in the sixties. That was his horse that everybody really knows. Uh, bought it from, a, which... bought it from the Irish Olympic team for cheap. I didn't know that part because apparently it had bad x-rays. There was something wrong in the x-ray. So she, he got this horse for cheap and, uh, they came together, did quite well. How about a national championships in '67? A gold at the Pan American Games in '67. A team silver at the uh, at Jimmy's Olympic debut in 1968 in Mexico City. And then they repeated that whole thing, all of those in 1972.
2: I think it was Jimmy who actually said, um, you, "You know, the horses that pass the pre-purchase, we sell." And the horses that don't pass the pre purchase, we take to the Olympics.
0: Twice, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so, extraordinary guy. And we're going to talk more about him with Max Cochran in just a minute, right after we hear from our good friends at Kentucky Performance Products.
3: He was her first love, the one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, he was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced, providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract, which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
0: Well, hi, Max. Welcome to the show. Thank you again for coming back. Anytime I ask you, you're here. I appreciate it. (laughs)
4: Uh, thanks for having me, Glenn. You know, I love I love horses in the morning. It's fantastic. So any, any chance I get to talk to you is better.
0: Well, t- uh, it's a sad occasion today, and I know you yeah. knew Jimmy pretty well. So kind of give us... I'm just going to let you talk. Tell us about Jimmy, your experiences with him, and your what you want the world to know.
4: Oh, my goodness. Oh, well... I am a a very lucky person to have gotten to know Jimmy and to have been around him, And I think there's a lot of people that will say exactly the same thing. I say that it's just, he was a, he's a a gift to the horse community, a gift to me, a gift to a lot of people. He was a a true gentleman. He was, um, had a really amazing balance of the old school and the new school. What I would say, he, um, he was constantly involved, no matter if it was, watching or teaching or writing or having new thoughts. um, He kept himself very current with the new sport, as I would call it, you know, from the long format to the short format and just how the sport continued to evolve. He was, he just was always there to, I don't know, lend a hand, to give advice, to be the sounding board to, I don't know. I just was fantastic. And for me, I got to know him when I was working for Karen O'Connor as Karen was a student of his. And so, you know, Karen said, Oh, I, you know, do you know, do you know Jimmy Wofford? I said, I don't know him, but I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always very, um, you know, in the beginning when I very first started working for them, I was gobsmacked and in awe when he would come around and he would always have a minute to chat with me, always have a minute to ask about the horse's, um, you know, and, and he was so willing to, you know, give advice or just say, you know, oh, your horses look very nice today or whatever it was. And, you know, God, Jimmy Wofford said my horse look good. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to sleep good tonight. And, and then throughout the years, as I got to know him better, um, and again, I, you know, I didn't know him as well as others, but God, I just still find myself feel you know, completely so lucky to, to have known him as much as I did. Um, you know, his advice, his, um, his support, especially when I became USCA president, his support was, was unbelievable. And he would be the first person I would call when something big was happening. And I, you know, send him a message or an email and say, Jimmy, you got a minute to talk. Oh, wait, you don't have to ask me. I, of course, just call me up. But I know he was so busy, but you know, he was always, every time I saw him, there was a, you know, hello, sir. He said, oh, you, oh, don't call me, sir. A little tip of his hat and always a quick hello and always stop for a minute to make time for everybody. And I just, um, there's a lot of that chivalry and kindness that we don't see so much anymore. And, um, I will, I will miss that so much. I will miss seeing him everywhere. I'll miss our phone calls. I'll miss a lot of things. It's, um, it's a huge loss for, for the, for humanity and for the horse world, I'd say.
0: So how important was he to the organizations? You just got done being president oh. of the USEA, right? And, yeah, you yes. And his whole family was important to the United States Eventing Association.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they were between the AH, AHSA and the USEA and the USET and all the things in between. He was um, the Wofford family just sort of, you know, it's sort of synonymous with all those, all that. Governance and stuff. So that's what I'm saying. Like he was so involved with not only just you know boots on the ground, but the governance part of it too. They were so integral, and and I think that's maybe why he was for me so um, important because he for you know he and I both saw, saw the world both that same way. We saw you know he he know he knows the horses on the ground, but he also understands the governance side and and that there's a very tricky balance between the two and um, and he could see that Um, he saw the big picture with the little picture. He could see the, you know, he obviously loved high performance. He loved the the team stuff, but he also loved the grassroots side of it too. He loved watching people learn. He loved watching horses develop. He, you know, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on, but he just um, yeah, just, you know, part of the association part of what he did for for them and continued i mean there he was even you know being the keynote or the the mc for the for the awards and for the hall of fame and um he was always present and it's yeah it's going to be a massive void yeah not having I, I, him there
2: <clears throat> i think of his legacy max i always said and i said this before you came on that I considered him the eventing Jesus, right? And his book yes, Training yeah. the Three Day uh, tra- Training the Three Day Event Horse and Rider is the Bible. Okay, so yes, you've got those two yeah. things. Talk a little bit about the legacy. I mean, he was so prolific in Writing in all the books that he's written, you just go on to Google and type in Jimmy Wofford book, and there's a long list of them. Yeah. and uh, I mean, yeah. just recently, his most recent one was like still horse crazy after all
4: these years. So exactly. talk a little bit about <laughs> exactly. the legacy of of Jimmy uh, and
2: his his penmanship is it was, it was just incredible.
4: Well, uh, you know, there's there are very few people that are that are gifted to to write. And, and Jimmy for sure had that gift. And, um, he, he has, he had, that has an, had an incredible passion for history and for, uh, for that too. And so I think that there's a lot of, um, I think he wanted people to never forget the history of, you know, where things came from. Um, and I think that's was a, some of his motivation for writing these books. Um, he's a brilliant author, brilliant author. And his books are, you know, again, the, you know, his everything, like you say, from telling the stories of how we got here to um, telling people how to prepare your horses for the three day events to, you know, everything in between. They're just, they're fun in, you know, inviting books that are educational and fun at this, you know, and and nice to read at the same time, which doesn't really happen. And some of those books you're like, you know, the how to books are like, blah, 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 blah. you know his history, his knowledge is just, and the fact that he was willing to give it back to us. I mean, there's a lot of that have been doing it for decades and decades and decades that don't have the have the. I don't know if it's the energy or the foresight to give it back to yeah. to everybody else. You know, he it's it's his gift. That was his gift to all of us. was his, I his writing? Too. I think.
2: A lot of times when you read a book or, uh, about horse training or horses, I feel like so many times things have evolved past when the author wrote it, you know, like sometimes you read Correct. something from the eighties yep. or the nineties yep. or yep. early two thousands. Yes, exactly. You're like, this is yeah. so old. His books so are, yeah, yeah his yeah. books are timeless. 101 eventing Absolutely. tips. I was reading and I was like, yeah, this is, um, these are amazing tips. Like, yeah. Just a modern gymnastics research
4: and yeah, exactly. There's research and stuff that comes along that says, you know, throws things out of the water, but at the same time, what he's written is just, you know, like, Oh, right. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm exactly
0: at, Max. I was looking at uh, your, your Facebook feed must just have thousands of posts. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, mine has hundreds. And you know, there was a quote and this is a long time ago. I don't know where this quote came from with one of his books or whatever, but I, I've known it forever. And this, he was talking about his horses that he's ridden over his career. And you know, this quote, he said, the worst of them sense our fear and take advantage of us. The best of them sense our dreams and take us there.
4: Yes. Yes. I yes. mean
0: that quote gives you goosebumps. Yes,
4: it does. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Because you've and been means... with
0: those horses that were people's dreams.
4: Oh yeah. yeah. Lucky. Lucky for me, I have. I mean, you know, and 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 I, you know, I've been there for the for the you know we've been there for the very very highs and the very very lows. But he's he's absolutely right. I mean, he, you know, nothing would get him giggly more than seeing a, a very special horse be paired with a very special rider. And he would, know look at that. Ooh, look at this. You know, and he would, <laughs> it would make him happy. And and that's, you know, and, you know, and there's, there's so many, obviously such depth of, of Jimmy with his love of fishing and his love of sports and his love of everything else. But he just, um, when he would see that it, it, I, I guess it just, you know, it, it's what kept him going. Do you he know He was a I, huge I
0: football it, fan, right?
4: Yeah. Oh, he, he just loved sport in general. He was a sportsman. Um, and, but yeah, he, he loved all sport, but you know, he, he did a lot of fly fishing, tons and tons of fly fishing. And that was his other, other massive passion was that, but he, um, yeah, he just, he loved sport. He loved to be, you know, he was always reading and knowing the latest on all the things, you know, he just never could keep up with them. <laughs> it's
3: like, where do you find
4: how many hours in the day have you have been teaching for 15 hours? And then you, did you see that documentary on the, you know, World War Two, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he just it was incredible. Um, and, you know, and, and the amount of lives that people, that he's changed. I mean, he has changed so many good friends of mine, um, you know, but Sharon White and Sarah Cosmplick and people, they just, they just could go on and on about wh- what their life would have been like without him. And they don't even want to know it. And he, his mentors, he mentored so many people and, um, kept motivating so many people. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, a. Uh, I don't, I could. He's
2: just, it's one a bit of those, overwhelming. Yeah, it <laughs> no. is. He's one of those guys that nobody had anything bad to say about, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just one of those incredible humans that we were all yeah. blessed to yeah. have grace us in this world. And Max, yeah. as always, thank you for coming on and, and sharing oh, with you. us. You know, you're uh, driving to Kentucky, so. Yeah. Be safe on the roads, and uh, know you. that we appreciate you coming in and sharing. Thank you. And some of your stories. Thank
4: you for thank you for celebrating him. It's, he needs to be over celebrated, I believe. <laughs>
0: Thanks, Thanks. Absolutely Max. appreciate All right.
4: it. All right. Talk, talk to you care. guys later. Bye.
0: There was. Uh... I, I was reading one of uh, Hillary Moore Hebert. Uh, she says years ago, I was at a Jimmy Wofford clinic in Ledger. Uh He pointed to the tallest and widest stone wall I've ever seen in my life and informed us all that we would jump it before the weekend was over. After a day of learning about us, he lined us up from bravest to most gullible and told us to aim for the middle and go. We all went. That day I was flying.
2: Oh, wow. I oh, just got goosebumps.
0: Yeah, that was a good quote. Well, life's too short for heavy tack. And at half the weight of a traditional leather saddle, tacking up is simply a breeze with any Wintech light saddle. And it's one of the reasons that Jamie loves her Wintech light so much.
2: I put it on yesterday. I, I, it, every time I put it up on his back, I'm like, how is that a saddle? Because like, it's so light, but it's a normal size. It's not like a little tiny little thing. It's like a regular saddle, but you just. Yeah, it's really light. It's crazy.
0: Well, you know, it's also super soft and it has a grippy seat. Uh, and I know Jamie likes that, too, because she rides such calm horses that never sticky act
2: up. Butt. <laughs> I mean, <it's> sticky butt. I need sticky butt.
0: Super soft panels. I know you mentioned the panels before, that you really like how soft the panels are and how they mold around their muscles.
2: Yeah, they've uh, really started to break in for me as well. You know, uh, just now I'm able to sit and it kind of like hugs me. And my curves.
0: <laughs> and, and I don't know if you ordered it yet, but they have changeable cantles. So apparently the, in the back, you can change out the cantles. They have flags and all different kinds of things that you can buy. So you can kind of customize your saddle. You can find out why Wintech Lights All-Purpose Deluxe Saddle is Jamie's favorite at Wintec-Saddles.com. That's Wintec-Saddles.com. They also have a list of all the retailers there. You can find retailers for Wintechs all around the country. Well, coming up next, I pulled this from an interview that we did at Rolex. It was called Rolex then. It's the three-day event back in 2011. As I said earlier in the show, I think this might have been the first remote you and I ever did together. And we were so excited to be there. And they had us sitting in the middle of the old indoor arena where the booths were. So there's a lot of people around and the sound is not perfect, but it's, it's pretty good. Actually, you can hear us really well considering the environment and how little we knew about recording remotely then. Uh, but Jimmy sat down with us. Reese Koffler-Stanfield was there as well. And he spent a whole half an hour with us talking about eventing uh, and and that particular Land Rover. And uh, yeah, and Jamie was just fangirling out. So. I'm
2: sorry. I don't want to hear it. I can't listen. I'm going to have to walk away because I just, I was so, I was like, oh my God. This is like, I've interviewed people, celebrities on the red carpet. And it was no comparison to sitting down with, who I considered a Jesus. <laughs>
0: well, let's take a listen to that interview. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it all those years ago.
2: A very special guest joining us right off the bat on a Friday morning. It's awesome. Please welcome Mr. Jimmy Wofford. Hey,
0: Thank Jimmy. You welcome Thank to the show. It's so nice of you to get up early and join us. Have you had any of that coffee yet? I'm, I'm caffeinated. I'm ready for the
1: experience. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. This is neat. Well, it like, is fun. I like how
5: he calls it an experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it
0: is. We'll see what he's calling it when we're done.
2: <laughs> well, Jimmy, right off the bat, we want to mention your new book, Cross Country with Jimmy Wofford. And, I mean, your other books, like Training the 3-Day Event Horses, is a Bible for eventers. That's how I learned how to get my horse fit for any any level horse trial, because in the back it gives you all the uh, kind of ingredients that you need and what you need to do on day one, all the way through your competition, and I really feel like that is the one book that really got me centered on eventing and learning how to to teach my horse and get them fit for a competition. And uh, you've got a new book out, and this is 26 Lessons to Improve Your Eventing Skills, which yeah i could use (laughs) this constant improvement and uh from olympic writer and top coach top coach jim jim wofford so uh tell us a little bit about this book
1: Uh, my new book I'm really excited about. It's just being released this weekend. No one's seen it until yesterday. Uh, I love the cover. I love everything about it. It's a compilation book. These are mostly columns. There's a little bit of new material in here, but they're mostly columns that I have written in the past for Practical Horsemen. And we've gone through there over the past almost 10 years now and picked out 26 columns that we thought, uh condensed things that I believe and things that I teach all of the time. Uh, we've we've reworked them a little bit, modernized some of them, and put them together for you. In addition, and you forgot to mention this. Hold up. Here yes. it is. There's a DVD oh, cool. in the back uh, that, that shows you some of the uh, training principles that I use. And it's a neat DVD. You see one horse on there. Who, that has never jumped a ditch, and by the end of one lesson, he's jumping an enormous ditch really, really confidently.
2: What uh, about the confidence of the rider? Do you go over that when there are ditches involved?
1: I, I don't go over that much because I can usually tell when the rider is backed off. I can tell when the horse is backed off. And there, there's a very simple answer for that, and it's don't. Don't don't do that. Come come back over here to a smaller ditch. You will see in in the book and in the DVD. You will see how I start, and it's so simple, Jamie. I promise, even you would jump. <laughs> uh, yeah,
5: Jimmy, I like me. you. You're fitting right in here. <laughs>
1: You can join us this, anytime
0: in the morning. Show. This
1: is what you get for having free coffee
0: around.
2: Uh, so I'm going to have to read that segment, and we'll have to talk after the show because, you know,
0: it's, it's a ditch. Where is it going to be available, Jimmy? It's called Cross Country with Jim Walker. It, it's going to be available at
1: bookstores starting next week uh, through the AIM network. There is a link to it, which I forgot to memorize, but if you go to Practical Horseman, yeah. uh, they will lead you to it. Or if you are on the grounds this weekend, it will only be for sale this weekend at Practical Horsemen because they, their parent company, AI and Media, uh, are the publishers.
0: And Practical horsemen is set up in a tent right out of Sponsors Row. They're right across from the stadium, the Rolex Stadium. They are. They're yep. right there on the corner. Yeah, and, and you'll be doing some signings, I assume? I'm
1: going to be doing signings during the lunch break Saturday and Sunday.
0: Now, I heard about your signature. Are you going to make them legible, or is it just going to no, be more? No, there's an
1: extra charge for legibility. It's, <laughs> it, it's, free. it's free to just have it signed, but if you want to actually be able to read it, that, that takes a while. <laughs> I don't I type notes to myself now on my computer because if I handwrite them I can't read what know isn't it awful? We never
0: we never write anymore. It just doesn't happen. So let's talk a little bit about the leaderboard and, and what happened yesterday. Yesterday we had the first uh, half of the dressage. Went yesterday. I would ask Reese about this, except I saw Reese several times and she was not watching dressage. She was shopping yesterday. I,
5: I was doing a little shopping, yes. yes. <laughs> but uh, Arthur went right behind me on the test ride, so I wasn't able to see him. But he looked great in the warm up. I know Jimmy was was able to see him
0: yesterday. Yeah, let me do the leaderboard here quick. Uh, in First, so far at the end of day one of dressage, we have Allison Springer, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago with Arthur. Uh, Allison is one lucky girl. Recently, we said yesterday she won the Rolex at the competitors' party. She won the Dewberry boots. She won the uh, that little car worth about eighty thousand dollars down at the last event in Florida. She's done all right. She's having a lucky year so far, um, and she'll say it's it, it, that. She's feeling pretty good about that. Uh, Mary King was, is in second place out of Great Britain on King's Temptress. And then Will Coleman. You know, Chris said last night at the venting Radio show that this is Will Coleman's first Rolex. And, you know, Will's been
1: around so much you would assume he'd been here before. He, he's been a while. He, he is not the luckiest guy in the world because there's always been some little thing that kept him from being here. He's been in the pipeline for it for years, Mm -hmm. and the stars just have not aligned. He's not the worst. Uh, Lynn Szymanski, I tried for 10 years to get her here, and finally the year she was going to retire, she got Fergus here uh, and and got around and had a a big time, but it, it can happen. And then you see someone find the horse of a lifetime and they just climb up the ladder and here they are and and all you can say is that's horses
0: yeah and that's you know that's where allison's sitting right now with arthur what an incredible horse that is it's truly incredible so we have will coleman you know first time here on twizzle in third at the end of day one of dressage let me just run down here kim severson four and boyd martin sitting in fifth place i'm looking at other people jessica phoenix is in 14th place on Exploring. She has another ride today with Exponential, so we'll see how how she turns out uh, with that. And those are the ones that we've had on the show and and been familiar with out of day one. Uh, Philip Dutton is currently sitting right now in 11th place. Boyd had a, uh, we called it Boyd's Bobble yesterday, which I would not say to his face, but uh, he forgot uh, uh, he forgot a movement in the test, and that cost him some points. And then he and uh, actually Silva, his wife, was on the eventing show last night, and apparently was not a happy camper. Silva said, "I just pretty much left. so I was glad I had the show to come do." <laughs> so. That's a that's
5: a really hard test to learn. I have to say, you know, being a not an event rider, to being a dressage rider, and and having some experience. After coaching at the WAG, um, these tests are really hard to memorize, and they don't necessarily flow as well as I would say a dressage test. So I could see very easily how he would uh, make that mistake for sure. Well, it seemed like there were a couple mistakes yesterday,
2: and uh, I guess um, somebody forgot a extended trot. And I mean, it definitely watching the test, you feel like it's a little bit um, just not you're right, not flowy, but. To go from what I think is flying lead changes and then to go on a serpentine with a counter canter, how difficult is a movement like that, Jimmy, for a dressage rider, for an event rider?
1: Well, I, I can't speak for the dressage rider, but for the event riders it's tough because these horses are so fit. Most of them are so smart. And they want when they once they learn a fly and change out of a serpentine, they want to show off what they've done. And mm-hmm. if you even breathe hard, they're gone and they do a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, these riders know that. And and I think the the point that needs making here is that pressure causes mistakes. And there's no there's no more pressure in this arena except the last day, the last ten at badminton. That that's the only other eventing spectacle in the world where the pressure is, is as intense as it is here.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of pressure, what happened with Katie and Sir Donovan yesterday?
1: I did not see it. I had the next horse in the we, arena and I had my back it to it. Actually. I did not we, see it.
0: We were in there and the way it looked to us is the horse kept turning around and biting toward the girth area. And actually bit her leg at one point, And then then was, was rearing and bucking sort of like there was something wrong in the girth area. So I don't know if there was a tack issue there or or it was something internal. But that horse was definitely being bothered by something back there. You could just tell it wasn't your normal I'm carrying on. It was something's bothering me. Really? So, yeah, there was it, something it, going on. It could on. be.
1: I've, I've seen horses get hit by a bee. Mm-hmm. and it just destroys their test. I mean they fly buck through the rest of the test. They just they get stung by a wasp or something and it it's over for you. Um yeah. that happens
2: it, in cross country too.
1: It it can all yeah. And can you can get bucked be... off
2: so <laughs> on your ass on your, <laughs> your butt. <laughs> uh, in Ohio. I mean, but it didn't happen to me for se, but I might know somebody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
5: saying. I am <laughs> had saying, it. Exactly. I, I had a uh, my my horse was stung by a baby at the Young Rider Championships and you know, it happened right before we went down the test, and we did one time through the whole test, and I didn't even know he knew one time changes. <laughs> it, was, it was an experience, for sure. So, so it, I, who was it a couple years ago,
2: I, I want to I say it was Missy, that had a allergic reaction to something on the girth, uh, like a girth cleaning agent or something, or she had an allergic reaction to a poultice or something, too.
1: No, some shampoo. Some shampoo. Yeah, some shampoo, yes, caused it caused critical decision mm-hmm. to just blow up like a
0: balloon.
2: What a freak event I mean and just like like you said that's horses yeah right here at Rolex Kentucky that can happen so
0: now this this show is obviously listened to the one we're doing right now is listened to by uh, all kinds of riders not just eventers we talk a lot about dressage and we talk a lot about Western and all of that and we're going to have the Rainers down here and we're praying that Lyle L- Lyle Lovett will write will come along Dream today mind.
5: and. <laughs> never gonna I'm excited happen. if he yeah. comes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jamie used to be a DJ in a Top Forty Radio there in Atlanta, so she played a lot of Lyle's music. So this would be fun. Yeah. But uh, has the level of dressage gotten better in eventing over the years that you've watched, Jimmy? Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Except for you, of course. Uh, Because you always were that good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not go there. (laughs) You know, Avengers used to be 20 years ago, the idea was get through a dressage, get it over with, and on to the next day. But that's not that way. Scoring changed.
1: I mean. It's not. Well, the, the format changed, the scoring changed, the, the nature of the test changed in the early 2000s. Uh, they started requiring flying changes, and they went to collection, and that's a whole different ballgame. One of my earliest memories is the 1952 Olympics. And we we drove out, this was during the classic format, so we drove out to watch the first American team rider go on steeplechase. Uh, And my father, who was coaching the team there in Helsinki, Finland, uh, my mother started to drive away after our rider finished, and he said, no, wait, I want to see this horse go. And she said, well, that's that's a, a Finnish horse, why do you want to watch him? And I remember Daddy saying, well, he won the dressage, and I know I'm not going to see him again, and I thought he was a nice horse, so I <laughs> wanted to watch him go here. Because the attitude was in those days, if you were that good in dressage, you had not done the other work that you needed to complete a test of speed and endurance, because right. that's what it was then. Now it's it's a test of three technical phases, and they're they're of equal importance, and the dressage has improved out of all recognition. These guys sit well now, they ride well, their horses are so the the ones that we'll see today I think will sparkle. The ones yesterday, the the judges were in a bad mood and the riders were conservative because it was very windy. Uh it was a spooky ring. Arthur spooked several times and 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 in years past that has gotten to Allison, and I must yeah. say, this year it did not get to her, and I, and I liked her ride in there. And and I, I mentioned in my, in my written preview of the course that that pair has broken my heart over the past three or four years because I thought, this is a super rider and a super horse. Why are they not in the top three or five? And they'd find some way to bleep it up. You know, and so I just, they're going to have to prove to me now because I'm over this partnership and I don't care. (laughs) I I don't care if I love them. They've got to get back on the list, you know, on my list because they just, they found a way. And I thought that was a good sign yesterday because he wanted to be Arthur at some of the flowers, and things were moving in the breeze, and, and she kept him coming, and I, I thought that was a sign of maturity in the ring. So so good things, you know, she's well-placed. She's got a five-point lead. You know, in 1952, they figured if they were within 25 points of the lead after dressage, you had a chance. Oh, my and God. Oh, wow. At winning. Now, I don't mean a chance at placing. You you had a legitimate... Within 25 points. Wow. Within 25 points. Oh, my points. gosh. And now... You have to be inside of five points. Mm-hmm. So Arthur's got a five-point lead right now. I don't think that'll last, but but that's what has happened to the dressage. Jimmy, over there's the one past test entry,
0: one ride yesterday, and the one rider yesterday just always stands out for me, and she she should. I mean, she's won this thing three times, and that's that's Kim Severson. She is a fantastic, quiet, just lovely to watch rider. Super super rider. Uh,
1: people forget. That she spent several years with Jack Lagoff. Well, that'll and, do it, <laughs> and that and that did it because Jack, the late Jack Lagoff, the Hall of Fame U.S. coach, turned out rider after rider after rider. David O'Connor, Kim Severson, the list just goes on and on and on. And when you came out of the Lagoff system, you could sit. And you could ride, and you could do dressage, and you could put a horse on the bit with your legs and your seat, and your hands didn't move. And that you watch Kim, and she's just floating on a horse that I think is unsuitable for her. I'm sorry, I, I love him, but he's too big for her. She needs a 16-hand Ferrari, <laughs> and, and she's got a 17-hand four-wheel drive power wagon, wow. and it, it just doesn't suit her. You know, she needs something. She's not. She's not strong pound for pound. The way Karen O'Connor is. Karen, when Karen was a young student in my barn, she would arm wrestle the boys for fun. And they learned very quickly not to play. <laughs> because she would beat them. If she could catch them, she would out arm wrestle the boys. Wow. It's incredibly wow. strong. Mm-hmm. And Kim, not so much. Right. Him not so much. She's skillful. She may be more skillful, certainly in the dressage, than Karen. But she doesn't have that, that quality of strength. And so I've always wanted to see her on something a little more suitable. She can't ride a wide range of horses as well as Karen, I think, in, in my opinion. Now, Winsome Adante was at the outer edges of her capabilities. And as he got older and braver and cockier... It was, he was on the knife edge. When she won here in 2004, she was as close to disaster as I've ever seen her because he just took over.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, as a coach, do you feel like it's your responsibility or do you keep your mouth shut when you have things like that you want to tell somebody? Like, hey, this is the wrong horse for you. Or... No,
1: go, going in, I try and guide them. I say, look, this is the sort of horse, the, the, the basic type of horse. Riders at a lower level, if, if I had a one-star a two-star rider, and they brought a horse like Tipperary Liadnam, and, and they were 10-sized or a little taller, I, I would say... Oh, yeah, you just came off a 15.3 Connemara. I want you to learn how to ride something like this because Mm -hmm. he's a good jumper. I love him. Look at his face. You know, he's oozing with brains. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to learn a ton from him, but you're going to have to, to expand your range of riding to ride him well, and I want that. And if they've been on a stopper, I want to try and put them on a runaway. And if they've been on a runaway, Oh, I'm going to try and put them on a stopper because you're you're trying to expand their range of, of riding skills and knowledge. But as they start to go three-star and four-star, no, now now we need something that suits suits the rider because you don't want to have to be busy compensating.
2: Right. And any little mistake in a in a course like this is yes. is magnified. Yes. A million times. Now, I don't mean to open up a can of worms here. But But <laughs> your account, but you're a county. Oh, well aren't we? just the difference is oh,
1: look at that. She's got an electric can open <laughs> <laughs> using the old desktop.
2: Well you you've been, you know, writing the classic format your whole life and now that that's not how much of a difference is it? I mean, you talk about the point spread, five points, you can make up for that you know, 25 you could make up for back in, in when you rode. How, how much of a difference is that that you see that just adds to the little aspects of the three-day event, not being a long format?
1: Well, you, you, you are comparing apples to oranges. Okay. Because there, there is there is a cardiovascular element to the short format, but there is not the endurance aspect of it. And that was that was key. For example, this is a four-mile course. It's three point nine 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 something miles. It's a four-mile course. Now, it's going to take them eleven minutes and twelve seconds to make the time free of penalty tomorrow. In there were there in modern times. Say safe. I I count modern times. Classic format. Modern times from 1952 because that was the first U.S. civilian. Team. And I make that point very well in the first chapter of my new book. Which cross, is Cross
2: Country with cross Jim Wofford. Cross Country with Jim <laughs> Coming out next week. Bookstores everywhere. Go ahead.
1: Thank you so much. Nice plug. Uh, <laughs> the What were we talking about? The, the point you, you made think You brought his book up and he's yeah. gone. You, read it? you said it was in the first chapter.
2: 1952. Well,
1: I've, I've, got the picture, I've got a picture of a pretty girl on the front. And that's always... <laughs> 1952, the first, the first modern Olympics... Uh, during that period, that's say 50 year period, from 52 till 2004, when Athens went, the Athens Olympics went to the short format. there were only two maximum of events according to the rule book, maximum maximum, 1960 in Rome and 1970 in Punchestown. Now, they comprised uh, 30 minutes of trotting on Phase A, a two and three quarter mile steeplechase, which took you five minutes and 30 seconds at 690 meters per minute to avoid penalty. By the way, for those that can't translate that, you're flying. Yeah, you are flying. Really yeah, that, that's, that's very fast, right? It's not ultra fast like racehorse, but it's very fast. Now. That was just for openers. You then went out on what we called Phase C, which was the second roads and tracks phase, and that phase was sixty-five minutes long.
2: Oh my god, I'm exhausted.
1: This <laughs> at, at not a spanking trot, but but a, a good trot. An, an hour trot, long? An hour and five minutes long. The maximum. Not all. That events. was a freaking endurance event. I mean. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. They used to call it the speed and endurance
0: test. Then... And you guys weren't riding Arabs like the endurance riders are doing today. No, no,
2: no. What comes next would prove that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Here you go.
1: Then you had a 10-minute break while the vets checked you over, and you started out on a five-mile cross-country course on a horse that has been... uh, working strenuously now for over an hour and a half including a five and a half minute steeplechase, our steeplechase phase was longer than most preliminary and training level events these days at almost twice the speed. How has the sport changed? It's no longer a test of endurance.
2: It's not even the same sport. It's
1: not (laughs) the same sport. And so you're comparing apples to oranges. Now, what is it about the new sport? Well, the overall thing is that it's a professional sport and professionals do what they do, which is they increasingly look for every possible opportunity Mm -hmm. to improve some tiny little aspect of them because there are no bad riders here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the insurance industry calls it adverse selection. They've been selected out, the bad (laughs) riders. They're already gone, and the Mm -hmm. horses that are maybe just a little bit counterfeit, they're gone too because they can't quite climb to the top of the qualification ladder and so you have people that are spending 24-7 every day of their life and they are focused on improving their performance we were talking about the dressage earlier if you go back and look at the dressage tests from from 10 years ago some of them the same riders oh get over it they're still bouncing at the trot and their elbows are flopping not anymore. Right. They sit like kings and queens, right? And these horses move. They they do dressage, and the the cross country now is is a test of agility, and and of riding accurately at a high rate of speed. Mm-hmm. But it's not a test of endurance. Right. The horses that are not prepared well or maybe lack a little quality don't make the time at the at the upper levels, and, and that that can hurt you. You you look at the. Uh, the scores from badminton last week, and I think the top twenty horses were were jump penalty free, uh, and the time faults were very very low. It was a hard course to make the time on. Apparently, yeah. it was very twisty, so I don't I don't think anyone made the time.
2: I was trying to uh, think if anybody made. I someone mean,
1: got one point six. They got within two seconds yeah. of it, but but the point is that now these these. Three sports, these three combined sports, are all, they're one-to-one-to-one. You have to win them all. Yeah. You know, I've told that joke for years. How do you want to win every event you ever go in? Oh, it's simple. You do, you win the dressage, don't have any time faults or jumping faults on the cross country, and jump clean on Sunday, and I promise you'll win. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? That's what Michael Young did here in the World Championships last fall. He won the dressage, and they never knew which way he went. Right. Because it's over. If you yeah. do that, it's over. And now, it's, these guys know that, and they're all they're lying awake at night figuring, I wonder how I could get three more points out of my dressage.
5: Mm-hmm. And I don't know about show jumping, Jimmy, but certainly in the dressage, I've had to change my business as a dressage rider to expand about eventing. And, you know, I'm curious about what they need to do on cross country and what they need to do in show jumping. And it maybe just changes some exercises that we do on the flat. Um, and it's been great for my business to expand. Two I,
1: I would look at it the other way around. That mm-hmm. the people that are doing the cross country have to pay more attention to the lessons we are learning in in our dressage, mm-hmm. which are essentially lessons of flexibility and control. Right. We must be able to rapidly, easily, smoothly, non-confrontationally change the length of stride and change the direction. Yeah. And this guy, I predict that the new course designer here, Derek DeGrazia from California, I predict that he will someday eclipse Michael Etherington Smith, who is the avatar of course design.
2: (laughs) Wow. Well, you guys, you're listening to a legend. We're lucky enough to sit here with a a, a living legend, Jimmy Wofford. And, um, Jimmy, I... This has been an absolute honor to sit here and, and BS be you with know, you for, you know, 15, minutes. Thank you for
1: having me on. I love radio because you get to talk. Television is a terribly compressed medium, and, and in radio you, you have a
0: chance. Do these faces look like we should be on television, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I so. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> I'm going
5: to
2: assume I was one of the two. <laughs> yeah, me too. I want to be one of the two, please. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming by. The book is Cross Country with Jim Wofford. Just Google Jimmy. You'll find all his books. They're eventing handbooks. They're eventing Bibles. Uh, I, I don't, They're all on Amazon, too, I don't go to a horse trial without training three-day event horse and rider. So, you know, we appreciate everything you do for the sport, and
5: thank you for being thank here. You,
0: thank you for having me. Oh, you got to have him sign the book before he oh, runs no, off yeah, here. Fine, yeah, fine. Don't, don't forget that. Jeez. Well, we hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about Jimmy. He's going to be missed. Our best to his family and friends and and the whole entire horse world in the United States and worldwide as well. Uh, so next week, coming up on the show, uh, Debbie's going to be here on Monday, and then Lisa will be here on Wednesday and Friday hanging out with Jamie. So we still will have episodes. And also next week, the side saddle episode, and I think there's a Mary Kitzmiller episode going to be thrown in there as well. So we'll have a full week of shows for you, even though I'll be on a boat drinking martinis. So
2: Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> You'll be drinking some sort of like strawberry fruity, daiquiri, exactly. strawberry daiquiri. Now, now, be honest, though. Does
0: a strawberry daiquiri not fit? on a cruise. That's perfect. I mean, that's the one place where you can get away with it.
2: What are the little white with the white pina colada? There you go. Yeah, pina
0: coladas are the other ones. You're right. That's the other one. So I'll think about you all as I have sand between my feet and the beaches of the Caribbean
2: you're gonna be on a boat there's no
0: scene. oh no we get off you get off the boat occasionally.
2: <laughs> i think cruises are crazy it doesn't make any sense
0: I, you know somebody listeners. was
2: saying that cruises are like floating malls like if you're walking around a mall and you're like wow if only we could plop this in the ocean that makes no sense why they float i don't care what you say
0: and one of our listeners is going to be on with us, too. We found out. So, oh, no way. Yeah. I mean, how ironic is that? So we're going to see Debbie there. And I have an interview for her that I already recorded on Monday that you guys are going to play on Monday because she's doing something crazy. That's one of our auditors. So uh, that'll come up on Monday's show. But in the meantime, I, did I see you post about Farm Boy again?
2: Ah, uh, Farm Boy. God bless him. couple things. I forget how young he is. Farm Boy is, for those who don't know, he is my 21-year-old college student assistant. And he now has a horse that he adopted from Horse and Hound Rescue. And so Farm Boy has a giant thoroughbred, which is fantastic. But he's got him going.
0: (laughs) The fact that he owns something other than a quarter horse is just a miracle.
2: It's amazing. And he loves this horse. He loves this horse. So anyway, he was out. My God, that dude is with that horse Every day, like two hours a day, he now can can stand next to him and crack a bullwhip around this four year old, almost four year old thoroughbred. It's just incredible what he's been able to accomplish. And like yesterday or two days ago, it was, I think, 28 degrees. And I come out there and he's riding and he's got his chaps on and a big old Western saddle and this like giant coat that's like sheepskin and fell. I don't know. Anyway, I walked out. I was like, oh, my God, you look like the Marlboro Man.
0: And he like, did.
2: It did. And he's like, huh?
0: He didn't know who the Marlboro Man was? No, no, no. Oh, my he God. Did. So, so
2: yesterday, yeah, I was like, uh, Farmer Boy, do you know who the Marlboro Man is? Like, after that, and he was like, no. And so yesterday, I was like, so do you now know who the Marlboro Man is? And do you agree that you kind of look like him? He's like, yeah, I, I I went home and googled it. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> there are there are collectors that collect Marlboro Man stuff. The posters and all that stuff. There are oh, actual yeah. collectors for that.
2: Oh yeah. I remember a friend of mine growing up had a farm, and they had a um, a Marlboro Man billboard that had been taken down, and that's what she used to cover her shavings. So anytime <laughs> you wanted to get some shavings, you had to lift up the corner of his face and peel it away and get the shavings out. Um, <clears throat> so that was him. And then yesterday, I said, you know, I want to take... His horse is named Donnelly, and Donnelly's best friend is Red, and Red gets a little nervous out on the trail. So I was like, okay, I want you to take Donnelly and Pony Red, and I'll ride Miles, the chickenest Andalusian in the history of the universe, and then I'll Pony Ace. I should have switched. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I chose poorly, but he did great. Anyway, so we get out on the trail and we're ponying these horses through the woods. It's basically a single file trail. So it's like, you know, hard work to keep behind you. I told farm boy, I'm like, you're going to have a sore shoulder tomorrow trying to keep that horse behind you. <clears throat> so we get back. Everything goes well. I'm like, we need a picture because those two horses and my two horses, they're like two sets of twins. They're chestnuts with with socks or gray horses, three-year-old gray horses. So I'm like, let's get a picture. And we take the picture and we line up and we get the picture taken. And we start to walk and pony them all back in the arena. And in true farm boy fashion, he was like, well, that went a lot better than I thought it would. (laughs)
5: I was like, what did you expect? I was
2: like, we all came back. I guess the fact that he didn't think we would all arrive home at the same time (laughs) with four horses on the trail, two of which are spooky and two of which are thoroughbreds. So, uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. Give no faith in me, farm boy. None.
0: Well, he uh, will, when he you know finally moves on from your farm and goes to hang out with his farm boy cowboy friends, will they make fun of him endlessly about his thoroughbred?
2: Um, I'm I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I will tell you once he leaves me, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm done.
0: There's always another farm well, now. There really isn't. They're hard I'm, to find. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: I'm I'm 45 years old. I've I've never met a human like this at that age. So <laughs> he, he's a, he's a keeper for sure. And by the way, anything I post on Facebook, uh, I'll say, "Hey, did you see that post that I made about you looking like the Marlboro Man?" And I always expect him to say, "No," but he's like, "Yeah, I saw it." I'm like, could you at least click like on something so I know that you've been there? No, he's all he sees everything on Facebook that y'all say about him. He reads it all and he loves it, but he will never click like on it. I'm like, it's just validation that you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about you behind your back. I don't even know if he listens to the show. I wouldn't. I, I mean, w- I doubt it.
0: No, he doesn't listen to this show.
2: The, it, it's I tell people that know me. I'm like that. See me all the time. Don't listen to my show because it's just too much. Me. <laughs> There's too much. Me. If you listen to this, yeah, that Andy goes no for me. me
0: too, by the way, that goes the other way too. Right. Yeah, it's just too much. Us. <laughs>
2: just too much. you are going to hear every story twice. Like, don't, yeah. don't just, Tune into one. Pick I one. Think
0: we have listeners <laughs> that have listened to the beginning. I think they've heard every story about 10 times. <laughs> like, I love them. I don't know. Do they think they try and compare whether the story differs or we kind of elaborate the older we get, the bigger the stories get, you know, like fishing?
2: I don't elaborate. No, no,
0: no, no. no. You know
2: what? I elaborated the first time. Just kidding. I don't. That's (laughs) what's really sad is I don't elaborate stories and people think I'm making it. I'm I'm not. just that that kind of stuff happens
0: anyway. (laughs) It really does in her life. You know, this (sighs) stuff that she talks about really does happen. You can't make it up. You couldn't make it up. (laughs) 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 No writer would even think of it. So, Hey, we're going to do a little bit of a post show here. So hang on, auditors. Thank you for being with us today on on this uh, occasion and we hope you enjoyed our coverage today
2: celebration of life
0: <clears throat> back to a, more humor and comedy on monday so that we'll be back to normal then of course you can find all the past episodes of our show at horsesinthemorning.com and you can find all 40 shows on the horse radio network at horseradio network.com thank you for joining us today we'll see y'all
2: spay neuter and geld